Man, that's awesome. Amen. Hey, let's say the Lord's Prayer together if we can. If we use the ESV version of the Bible, so I think that's what we'll throw it up there. I know some of you memorized it in the King James Version, so if you want to do it King James style, I think that's great too, but let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then there's that line that most of us grew up with that we'll get to on the last week. It's like a teaser trailer every week. Why didn't he say that last line? Well, if you come the Sunday before Thanksgiving, you'll find out. Um, So today's Halloween, and we're in the middle of a series on the Lord's Prayer. So I thought it would be kind of funny to talk about the Halloweens in my childhood. Like I remember being uh, Batman some years and Superman some years when you would get those plastic masks. Uh, if, you ever, if you've never heard Jerry Seinfeld do the bit about Halloween, like Google it, it's the greatest, uh, some of the greatest comedy of all time, because I remember distinctly, do you remember those plastic masks that you would get, and, uh, and like the rubber band would pop, and then my mom would like try to tighten it up, and it's cutting off your circulation, and you can't breathe, I remember that, and like 15 minutes in, the thing pops, and you didn't bring the stapler for trick-or-treating, so you just abandoned the mask. I was what you call husky. As a kid, I don't, you know, that was like a clothing line uh, for before we wanted to shame people. So um, I had to get the husky, husky, they didn't come like husky Halloween costumes. So my Superman pants would come like, you know, probably like down to here. So here I am, Superman with like, you know, these super long leggings and, uh, and trying to do the thing and Batman, same thing. There's another year after the return of a Jedi came out that I wasn't Luke Skywalker. I wasn't Han Solo. I was an Ewok, which what that meant for my family was mom bought me this huge Ewok head thing. And I wore that. And then she just gave me her winter coat. Uh, so I remember like walking around, you know, with that huge Ewok head and then the long winter coat. And this was like my childhood, like ages six to, or like from three or four to age six or seven. And then something very bizarre happened. And to this day, I don't know what happened. I think it had to do with razor blades and apples. But our church began to host Halloween events somewhere. Like I trick or treated. I remember it to like I was five or six. And then our church began to to host these Halloween they Halloween alternatives. It was like I don't know if it's because of the devil or if it was because of razor blade apples. But we never trick or treated ever again because Halloween. I was told was this war between two kingdoms. There was like the kingdom of the devil and on the devil's kingdom, like there were razor blade apples and there were also people who passed out toothbrushes uh, to kids. Do you remember this? Like the three worst things that these were the devil's servants. They would give you toothbrush. If you've ever done this, I'm sorry, uh, but they would give you um, toothbrushes. I remember getting toothbrushes. I was like, man, what is this? And then uh, I would also get those, remember those orange peanut, those like peanuts things, those styrofoam candy peanuts. Those, that's the devil's candy. The devil's candy. Is that what you're giving out tonight? Oh, whoo. <laughs> Problem. Oh, well, I'm coming to you in just a moment. And then the third thing that the devil's people would give out was leftover Christmas candy. Like I remember getting candy canes a couple of uh, trick-or-treating times. And man, like by that point, the candy cane, like you would take the wrapper off and it's sticky and it's gross. And you're like, these are the devil's servants. Like God's people give out Reese cups. 
Like, the Lord's people give out Reese Cups and Milky Ways and full-size candy bars. Like, when we get to heaven, the people who gave out full-size candy bars will have, like, their own section of heaven. Like, those are the saints of Jesus. Like, uh, I love those people. So, for you, let me ask real quick. Like, just by slight show of hand, in your upbringing, was Halloween just Halloween, or was it, like, did it take on this sort of extra dimension where it was, like, this is kind of the devil's holiday, and we're not sure if we should do this. How many of you, it was just Halloween? Oh, right. How many of you, it was kind of a devil's holiday? Yeah, Nat was like, we were talking about, she was like, I was never allowed to trick or treat. And I was like, I get it. I was only allowed, like, it got cut off after about six or seven. So uh, today, we're talking about this war of two kingdoms as we read through the next line of the Lord's Prayer. So if you've got a Bible, we're in Matthew 6. Uh, we use the ESV Bible. I love paper Bibles. I love it when you bring a paper Bible. If you're a phone Bible person, I get it. It's 2021. I don't want to be the old man. You kids get off my lawn kind of a guy. So if you do that, it's fantastic. We also put the verses up here and any extra verses that we use, we throw up here as well. I'm going to read to you kind of the context. I read it last week. We're going to read it every week of Jesus uh, and the Lord's Prayer. And here we go. In verse 5, Matthew 6, Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, the actors, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, Jesus says, whenever we pray, it's not a performance. It's not a performance. Nobody who prays at home should be performing. If you pray up here, it's not a performance. Keep them going. Verse 7. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the pagans do, the Gentiles do, the people who don't know God, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So prayer is not performance. Neither is prayer just vain, empty-minded repetition, nor is it punishment. We kind of talked about that last week, that some of us grew up in a tradition where if you got in trouble, you would have to go and pray five Our Fathers and some other different prayers and stuff like that. Jesus is saying it's not performance, it's not punishment, it's not vain, empty-minded repetition. He says this, pray then like this. In other words, this prayer can be repeated It can also be a pattern. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, it can be something we repeat. Some of you do this every day. You pray this every day to start your day or to end your day. Jesus would commend that. He would also say it doesn't have to be repeated. It can be pattern. It can be kind of a guide that as we go through this series, you begin to think and you say, oh, I might reword that. I'm going to rethink about that. I'm going to flesh that out a little more when I pray for that thing. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so last week we talked about three things that we see from God, about God in that first verse where it says, our father who is in heaven, we see that God is corporate. He's our God. In other words, following Christ is not a solo endeavor. And then so we saw our father, that God is personal. That word for father is the word like Abba. It's, it's a very affectionate term. It's like what my, when my kids would call me dad, like daddy, uh, back in the day. Like, it's that idea. Our Father God is personal. And then the third thing we see is that he's powerful. He's in heaven. He's in heaven. He literally watches down over the universe as an outsider. Like, he's so other that uh, we don't want him to be so personal that we forget that he's other. And we don't want him to be so other that we forget he's personal. 
It's why my friends from the South often say, man, Northerners talk too much about God. And my friends, friends from the North say, man, Southerners talk too much about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, those are both good things. We can learn from one another. On some level, we need to make God more transcendent, more other, bigger, more glorious. And in other sense, we need God to be very personal and Jesus God with skin on for us. And so we see a fourth thing, though, in this verse today about God and who he is. I think we have a slide for this. A fourth thing about God's identity. We see that he's king. We see that God is the king of the universe. And, And we know this because Jesus says, your kingdom come. And so if there is a kingdom, then there has to be a king. And obviously, God is the king of his kingdom. Now, today we're going to talk about the kingdom of God and the will of God. These are crazy words. I'll be honest, when I think with my rational self about the kingdom of God, then my mind goes to like war metaphor, and then my mind goes to the crusades, and then my mind goes to all my friends who think that Christians have killed innocent people all through the ages, and then my mind says, I don't know that I want to think about this anymore. Like, and that is what the kingdom, like the kingdom of God, though, is not talking about some war and battle and everything else. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, I'm going to give you a working definition here. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of Jesus, it's God's rule and God's reign that govern his people and his places. That's the kingdom. God's rule and God's reign that govern God's people and God's places. God's people right now are the church. God's people are the church, Christians. Not like church buildings. When I say the church, I mean the capital C church. God's people, uh, God's rule and reign extending over us and in us and among us. Your kingdom come in our heart. Like your rule and reign extend over our hearts and then over places as well over places. Right now, God's rule and reign are perfectly established in heaven, but one day God's reign will be established over all of creation. Everything. Do you, I don't know if you ever do this. I love our city. Uh, Jamie Carmody took us out a couple, about a month ago on the, in the harbor, and I love just looking at East Boston and Chelsea and Charlestown and the North End and South Boston. I love looking at it from the water. And even, like, from the water, you can see there's things about our city that are not as God would have intended. Like, all those ugly metal canisters in South Boston. I'm like, ugh, I know God didn't intend for this to be on the geography here. The broken piers at places, they're just less than beautiful. And I think, God, like, if you were the mayor of Boston, how would the landscape of our city look differently? God, if you were the mayor of Boston... How would housing be different? How would climate justice be different? How would racial injustice be different? How would economic instability be different? One day, there's coming a day where God's kingdom is fully established on earth and all the broken things are going to be made right. And until then, Jesus says, we need to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom's already reigning in us. I love, uh, almost every Sunday, Howard would text me after church at about 2 o'clock, and he says, man, I love today. I loved being with God's people, with my church. And a couple Sundays ago, he missed. Uh, He had a doctor's appointment, a quick doctor's appointment. He texted me, and he said, man, I really missed being with my faith family today. 
That's God's kingdom ruling in him and ruling among us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see snapshots of it. Do you ever have like a perfect moment? Do you ever have like a perfect moment and you're like, whew, that was, if heaven's going to be, that, like, if heaven's going to be like that, then I'm in. Those are the moments where we, as the people of God, are future casting for the rest of our city and our world what God, who God is and what his reign and rule look like. And so Jesus talked about the kingdom a lot. Uh, Nat and I were talking about this this morning. If you read through the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how many times do you think Jesus, I don't know if Hope's going to put the slide up there yet. This, uh, if she already has, we'll just pretend like you don't know. Uh, how many times would you guess that Jesus talked about the kingdom? I mean, how many times would you guess that Jesus talked about the church? I'll give you the answer. If it's not up there, I think she'll put it up there now. 121 times Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. 121 times Jesus said the kingdom will be like this. The kingdom is this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. 121 times Jesus mentioned the kingdom. Two times Jesus talked about the church. Now listen, let's just think about that for just a second. Because so many times, I'll be honest, like, and I know Nick does this too. We think a lot about church. If Jesus were on staff here, he, that would be awesome. And he would not talk nearly as much about Christ Church Charlestown as he would about his kingdom and, with, and his priorities for our city and our neighborhood and our lives together. Jesus talked a lot more, 60 times more about the kingdom than he talked about the church. And we need to think about what are the implications of that for our church and our community and our world. So when Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done, understand that he's teaching us to pray that. There's other times where Jesus talks about the kingdom in parables. And there's times where Jesus talks about his kingdom in his teaching. And there's times where he, uh, other times where he prays about the kingdom. And sometimes he heals. And sometimes he uh, interacts with people and talks about the kingdom. And we were talking about this this morning in anticipation of today. When Jesus would go into a town, this is crazy. He didn't heal everybody. How, how tough would it have been to be living in a town where Jesus came into your town and he healed five people and you were the sixth who needed healing? And he didn't always heal everybody. What Jesus was interested in doing was not solving everyone's problems when he came to your town. What Jesus wanted to do was come into your town and do something so that you would see a kingdom beachhead established. So people would look and say, oh, you remember John? John didn't have a hand. And Jesus came to our town and healed John's hand. Oh, you remember Susan? Susan's kid was dead. And we were on the way to the funeral and Jesus came by and brought Susan's kid back to life. Oh, you remember Mary, the prostitute here in town? Remember when she was turning tricks to make a living and Jesus came in and forgave her sin and now she doesn't do that anymore and now she's a follower of Jesus. What Jesus was interested in doing was not solving everyone's problems. Jesus wanted to set up little kingdom beachheads, little lighthouses, so that everybody in that village from then on would look and say, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And that's what the church ought to be. And so Jesus for four years is talking about the kingdom much more than he's talking about the church. And so since God is king, a few things are true. I'm going to tell you three quick things. And there's so much stuff here today. 
um, I told Nat, like, I'm not wearing my watch, but I'm going to occasionally look at this. And when we get to, like, a stopping point, I'm just going to stop. But since Jesus is king, there's three things. Since God is king, three things are true. He's king over his kingdom. God is king over his kingdom. I was in Stockholm, which has a monarchy. They have a king and a queen. And we were right there at the king's palace. And there's a lot, there's a paint. Has anybody ever been to Stockholm and been to the palace? Am I the only one? Good. I could be totally making this up, but I promise I'm not. When you go to the palace, there's a painted line. And then there's the gate, and then the palace is back here. And, you know, kind of like in Great Britain, you've got the people with the big fluffy black hats. In Sweden, they wear blue suits, uh, and then they wear this helmet that looks like an, uh, 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 an army helmet from the 1940s, but it's black. And then it's got almost like a bayonet on the end of it. And, like, this person could spear you with their head and, like, run you through. And then they're standing there with a gun with a bayonet on the end of it. And we were trying to take a photo with this palace guard. And I remember stepping over the line, trying to get as close as I could to this palace guard where my friends are trying to take a photo. And she goes, sir, excuse me. And I didn't really hear her because she's Swedish and they're really nice there. And she goes, sir, excuse me. And I still didn't hear because I'm trying to take the photo. And then she forcefully let me know, I better get my two feet on the right side of the paint protecting the castle. Get away. And very quickly, my feet adjusted themselves, and I got into the right side of the paint with relation to the kingdom principles for how it operated. Uh, The truth is, the entire country operated with those principles of the king and queen. The whole country operated that way. God is king over his kingdom. The second thing that's true is God has a kingdom constitution. God is a kingdom constitution. This is his will. When Jesus says your will be done, he's talking about the constitution for how his kingdom operates. His kingdom constitution is revealed in the Bible authoritatively. Life in the kingdom works best when we know and abide in and trust in his word. I love the Bible. I try to, I don't think I'm going to read it through this year, but a lot of years I try to read it through in the course of the year. I know a lot of you do that. I try to get up and read it a little bit every day. I don't try to read it like a book. I try to read it like a, a letter that God's written to me that explains to me how to best live. And so there's parts of it that are less applicable. I was talking with somebody the other day about the parts that forgive, uh, that forbid wearing cotton polyester blends. And that was a law that applied to a people 4,000 years ago that doesn't apply to us today. The rule about not eating shellfish, like I love shrimp scampi. I'm thankful that that law does not apply to us anymore. I'm not reading the Bible to get a bunch of rules. I'm reading the Bible to know the king and to understand his kingdom constitution because it's in that his, that I understand his will and how he wants me to best live. There's a king uh, who's over his kingdom with his kingdom constitution, and we are his kingdom citizens. There's a false myth in our city today that everybody is God's child. And this is not going to be popular, what I'm about to tell you. Everybody is God's child creatively in that he made all of us. But everybody is not God's child salvifically. Every person made is not a citizen in God's kingdom. 
that only happens through faith and surrender. And so we have to understand that not everybody we pass by on the streets or everybody in our family or everyone that we do life with is a citizen in God's kingdom. It's important to remember. In the world today, there are 29 monarchs. The most famous is Queen Elizabeth II. But there are um, 29 of them from Andorra all the way down to the United Arab Emirates. There are monarchies in Africa and Asia and the Middle East and Europe and the Pacific Islands and the Caribbean. I didn't realize that, by the way. I didn't realize there were so many and that they were almost on every continent. The truth is that God is king, and we should pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth like it currently is in heaven. When we pray that, though, we're not saying, God, we're not kind of just sitting back and saying, hey, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like we hold up our cell phones with our news feed, like, God, look at my Apple News. Look how screwed up this is right now. Kingdom come, will be done. What, we, what we're saying when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is God, we're agreeing you're the king, you have a kingdom, you have a kingdom constitution, we are kingdom citizens, and we're jumping in. We're jumping in. This is why I love living in Boston in 2021. We're jumping into what God is doing in our city. There are places, I don't know if you ever notice this or feel like this, there are times where I go places that I say, you know, it's been almost 200 years since there's been a move of God in our city. A move of God in our city. And there are times where I look and I go, well, that looks like 200 years of living godlessly. Do you ever feel like that? Especially you folks who have lived here all your life. Do you ever look and go, God, it wasn't supposed to be this way. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're saying is, God, I'm jumping in. As long as you plant me in this city, I'm jumping in. And I'm going to be a part of a people who are jumping in. And we will leave it better than we found it because we will represent the king and his kingdom constitution and who he is and what he is doing. And to that, let me tell you, Jesus, in addition to praying your kingdom come, your will be done, did a few other things. And these are important. We don't have a slide up. It's so important I didn't put a slide up. Um, Jesus announced the kingdom with his words. He demonstrated the kingdom with his deeds. He embodied the kingdom with his life. He struggled against the kingdom opposition and faith, and he formed a kingdom community with his relationships, with everything Jesus was, with everything he said, with everything he did. He wasn't just praying for the kingdom. He was ushering in the kingdom. And our job is to embody the kingdom, to announce the kingdom, to fight against kingdom opposition. Charles Spurgeon said this. I think we have a quote up here uh, for it. He said, if sinners be damned, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If Bostonians be damned, let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we're not just praying for it, we're jumping in. Let me give you a few quick hits on this, if I might. When we talk about the kingdom, we need to be really careful to remember that we're not talking about America. For a lot of our nation's history, people who are part of the kingdom family of God made that a synonym with being an American, particularly a white American, often a white American male. 
And that is just not the case. The kingdom is much bigger. It's not being American. It's not being Protestant nor Catholic. It's not being the part of uh, any political party or sexual orientation or anything else. The kingdom are the citizens in God's family by grace through faith across nations and races and times and places. It's bigger. The kingdom's bigger. The kingdom of God is bigger than any nationality or background or anything else. Second to that, let me say that the kingdom enemy is Satan. Our enemy is the devil. It's not the broken stuff in our world and in our city. And it's most definitely not any other human being. The enemy of God is Satan. And he is a defeated enemy. I think we have a scripture I want to share with you. Ephesians 5, 12 and 13 says this. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. My enemy is not drug dealers. Our enemy is not pimps. Our enemy is not greedy, white-collar criminals. Our enemy is not warlords from other countries. Our enemy is not even the people passing out toothbrushes and Christmas candy at trick-or-treating. Our enemy is the devil. And we fight and we stand against him, understanding that he is like a dog on a leash who has already been defeated in Christ. Another thing I want to share with you, the gospel, the good news, and this is crazy, has ties to the emperor cult. The word gospel, uh, the, the old original word, literally just, it just means like good, good news. It's where we get the word even evangelism. Um, it's this idea of like this good, good news. And the word came into being not because of Christians. Originally, when a king would come to conquer a land, or when a king had a son, he would send messengers throughout the province or throughout the empire and say, listen, there's a new king. Or listen, the king is old and now he has a son. And the son, we hope, will rule even better than the father. And so the idea of gospel, good news, has ties to the emperor cult of Rome. And it's the parallel of Roman good news about a king. When you share the gospel, when you share the good news of the kingdom, you're bringing the good news that there's a better king. That there's a better king and that there's an accession, an accession to the throne of a new ruler. You're saying, Jesus is my new and better king. The gospel is loyal to the king, but treasonous to worldly kingdoms. If you, when we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on, in Boston as it is in heaven, what we're saying is, I've pledged my allegiance to a different king. And Michelle Wu or Anissa Asabi George, they're not the ones who rule my life. Charlie Baker doesn't rule my life. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, whoever doesn't rule me. The IRS doesn't rule me. My boss doesn't rule me. My family's expectations don't rule me. I've pledged my allegiance to a different king, a better king. And he rules me. And that's, so the gospel is both good news and treasonous news. It's greater than, it conflicts with politics, consumerism, individualism, nationalism, and all identities and constitutional elements of this world's kingdoms. Now let me share with you three dangers, and, uh, and then we'll begin to bring it to the barn. The first danger for us 
as a church, the first danger for us um, is to understand that there is no middle kingdom. There's an idea today that there's the kingdom of God. We all kind of agree that there's a kingdom of God. Then there's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of evil, however you want to say that. And there's this sort of idea among a lot of people in our culture that there's this middle kingdom where it's like, well, I'm not advancing the kingdom of Satan, but I'm also, I don't want to act crazy. It is 2021. Like, I don't know that I want to act crazy over here. The truth is the gospel does not afford us that option. There's no middle kingdom. At all times, we are advancing or living for one kingdom or the other. The second danger for us is that we can be expanding the church and not the kingdom. And man, this is, this really hits. We want to be really careful not to be expanding Christ Church Charlestown to the exclusion of what God's doing in our community. Christ Church Charlestown will shut down and die one day. I promise you, the Apostle Paul is a much better pastor and church planter than we are, and every one of his churches closed many, many hundreds of years ago, almost 2,000 years ago. They didn't last more than a couple hundred years. We don't want to invest in and emphasize all this stuff in, in, about a church when the kingdom comes first. It was kingdom church. Churches don't bring the kingdom. The kingdom births churches. We are the overflow of what God is doing in and through his kingdom. We don't want to be expanding church, but not the kingdom. Finally, the third danger is we can be expanding and representing the kingdom, but not making much of the king. And this one, like, drives the knife into my belly and then kind of turns it. We don't want to be doing kingdom good stuff. Tonight at 5, we'll be taking photos of Polaroid photos of families and kids up at the monument at the corner of Monument and Chestnut. I hope you'll come over and say, hey, we'll be doing that. Families will get a little card that says church doesn't have to be scary. And it'll have like, a you know, an, uh, the information about our church. So they'll get paper clipped, uh, their photo, and they'll get this little invite card. And I say that's kingdom good news. Like we had a family join, come be part of our church a couple years ago. They were like, we love your church. We, don't, we didn't even know it existed. But if you're taking Polaroid photos of kids and not keeping photos of kids at Halloween, we want to be part of that. That's kingdom stuff. But we want to make sure that we make much of the king and not ourselves and not just being nice people in 2021. And we want to do that personally. God's reign begins in our hearts and among his people, but it will one day extend to all of creation. So let me just say that biblical justice, whether it's earth stewardship, defending the unborn, racial justice, immigration, fighting for just gentrification, defending bullies and the marginalized, all of those is us fighting now for what will be, announcing and proclaiming and embodying the kingdom and the king. Now, let me tell you one last thing, and I will pray. I swear. God's kingdom advances by death. God's kingdom advances by self-sacrifice. God's kingdom advances by becoming nothing, becoming humble, loving enough to lay your life down. God's kingdom doesn't advance with nice logos, with good sermons. 
God's kingdom doesn't advance with good snazzy events. God's kingdom advances when God's people lay down their lives. And we look to Christ in that. We, our, our example is Jesus. We are invited into the kingdom when the king laid down his life for those who would become his kingdom citizens. I looked it up last night. To become a citizen of uh, Andorra, which is a monarchy, you have to live in Andorra for 10 years. Uh, to become a citizen of Bahrain, which is also a monarchy, you have to live in Bahrain for 25 years. You have to learn to speak Arabic. You have to own land, and you have to be of good conduct. To become a citizen of Bhutan, a monarchy, you have to live there 15 years and have good character, it says. To live in Sweden, I love this one. It's my favorite. Actually, to, uh, you have to speak to, to become a citizen of Tonga. You have to live there five plus years and speak Tongalese. Uh, but the best one might be Sweden. To become a citizen of Sweden, you have to, and this is literally what their constitution says, you have to live there five plus years. And it says, and I quote, you have to live on your best behavior. For five plus years, if you live in Sweden and are on your best behavior, you can maybe become a Swede. Some countries, you have to learn their language, all these things. To be a citizen in the kingdom of Jesus, all you have to say is, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to learn all the language. I'm never going to live and obey and good conduct my way into this thing. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't believe enough. But the good news is there is a king with nail-scarred hands who opens his arms wide and says, if you will believe and come to me and trust, you can be happily received into my kingdom. God advances his kingdom by the cross and welcomes us with open arms. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we just threw a ton of information at, at these people. And I pray that it's received well. I pray that your kingdom will come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that your kingdom will come, your will will be done. We pray this together. Uh, it will be come and be done in Boston as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in Charlestown as it is in heaven. And Lord, we pray that the bonds of addiction and individualism and um, unemployment and uh, inequality uh, and historic injustice and um, a lack of value for life. Um, God, we pray all against all our idols in our city, and we could sit here and list them until dinner time tonight. God, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our neighborhood and in our city and in our state and in our country and in this world. And we look forward to a day when that prayer becomes reality where the kingdom in us and the kingdom among us is fully fleshed out. And Lord, all the broken things are fixed and all the sad things are made untrue. And God, until you do that, I pray that we would be about your business, that we would pray for your kingdom, that we would embody your kingdom, we would announce your kingdom, we would fight for your kingdom. We don't bear the burden of bringing it, but we do bear the responsibility and the privilege of fleshing it out among these people in this day and age. So God, help us be kingdom people. We are jumping in to what you are doing 
among us and in our city. And we love you. God, we love you. Jesus, we don't want to just talk about your kingdom and not make much of you as the king. So King Jesus, King Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we put you on your rightful throne today, and we want to do that. We're doing that in our minds right now. We want to do it in our hearts. And we want to do it at the point at which we make decisions about how we'll think and live our lives. We love you. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.